Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Hello, and today we're joined by Debs Haywood. And we're going to be talking about all things alternative qualifications. So this is for people who want to maybe mix up their GCSEs with something else, or maybe their child doesn't want to do GCSEs at all, and they want to do something a bit bit more different, a bit more left field. And so we're going to be discussing that. But first of all, Debs, hello. It's lovely to have you with us. Hi, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. It's very much my pleasure. And do tell me a little bit about yourself and about um, how you got to where you are and where you are, in fact, at the moment. What what sort of things you do to help us with our alternative qualifications as home educators? So I'm I'm really passionate about creative subjects. um, And I just I could see that there wasn't an option for um, home educated learners to access um, or not a, a huge variety of options for them to access creative subjects. A lot of it is um, exam based and you've got different kind of GCSEs. I think you're right, because I think what happens is and I've got this theory about school that is if if they can't quantify it, they're not interested in it. I get the feeling with school that they add in the other stuff, you know, like the stuff like art and things like that, just and drama, just to kind of like put it on the syllabus and have like photos of people you know children dressing up in costume but I think realistically schools only care about the things that they can quantify and I think as home educators we you know we fall into that not because we want to but because that's the only things you can do your exams in right because yeah because you've got you're you're stuck between um having to go to either an exam center being accepted as a private candidate being able to find a tutor that is um affiliated with an exam center or the other options are, you know, lots of IGCSEs or functional skills in certain subjects. And they work for home educators because you're able to access the exam online for some of those, which is brilliant um, that you have that option, but it doesn't lend itself to uh, vocational or creative subjects. Um, and so that's that's what I'm trying to help provide um, as an alternative is is that kind of that method of being able to access the qualifications that everybody should have access to, not just whether you're in a school or a college, um, everybody should be able to have that um, option to study something that you're passionate about. That's what I found frustrating and that's what I'm trying to give opportunities for others to be able to do. So at the moment, I've got an, an art qualification, but I'm hoping to offer more as well. So as the time goes on, being able to provide more qualifications that cater for for something other than an exam, really, which doesn't suit everybody, especially me. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> the thing. It's it's a double-edged sword when you home educate because you're you're opting out of the system and you know that. Yeah. And so because of that, you know that there are certain things that are going to be very hard to do. But there's no doubt that it's very frustrating sometimes looking at all the things you then aren't able to do that are just locked out from you. And it is invariably the subjects, things like sports and art and the, you know, kind of creative or physical things that your child could be absolutely in love with doing, but it's all, it's, you know, it's, it's just completely barred for us as home educators when it comes to GCSEs. But what you're offering, I'm thinking is alternatives to GCSEs, right? 
Yep. So they're, they're still level two qualifications. Um, and I'll probably talk a little bit more about the, you know, the differences of um, a GCSE to a level two qualification and what things to look out for as well if you're yeah. going to choose a subject. Um, yeah, do tell, do talk about that, actually, because um, these are NCFEs, are they? Or so the are ones that we're else? looking at, that this. It is an NCFE. NCFE is the awarding body. So if you were following, I don't know, English or math and you were looking at OCR or AQA, um, NCFE is the actual awarding body. Um, but if you were to, to look at any kind of vocational course, um, the things to look out for, I would say, is number one is its level. So, for example, a level one, that's level two, a GCSE um in old money, D to G <laughs> grades, or one to three, and a level two qualification is level to a GCSE, A to C, uh, four to nine grade. So level one, is that basically a failed GCSE, if you see what I mean? Like equivalent well, to it? It's a, it's, I wouldn't use the word equivalent ever, <laughs> um, but that's comparable to a lower level GCSE. I've got you. So so if you get if you were to get a one in GCSE, then that would be comparable to a level one um ncfe or whatever level yeah, level one course is it yes level one. absolutely um and so as a home educator i would look out for um whether it's a recognized qualification that's the number one thing um and does that, that mean with an awarding body or something like that so what you need to look out for that it's recognized within the um rqf that's a regulated qualifications framework Mm -hmm. um they'll, they'll say i suspect on websites absolutely like absolutely mm -hmm. if it's a bona fide qualification that is really just to make sure that others whether it's going on to work or college or uni or, or whatever it's for that they would recognize that for their um, progression the other thing is to look out for is the credit value yeah um, because you were saying that level one maps to d to g grades or one yes. to three in in modern money and then level two maps to the higher grade so what does level three map to or is there not a level three uh, level three is a levels hmm. so but the credit value is completely different to what the qualification um is oh. aimed at so you're so looking at ucas credits or anything like that no although this is the alternative this is um what you would use instead of looking at UCAS points like you would for a level three at level two, there's no UCAS points, yeah. um, but you can measure the size of the qualification by looking at the credit value. So, for example, a GCSE, an average GCSE has 12 to 15 credit rating. Um, and that actually is given by another awarding body. That's the QCF. That's the uh, qualifications and credit framework um and so many awarding bodies i know i know producing it's, jobs for everybody it's, it's a bit of a minefield really but it's the way of recognizing each qualification's weighting you could be studying a qualification which is level two a gcse but it's not worth a gcse because the weighting uh, it's a small course yeah so the credits it, are lower so the credits are lower so for example if i know um lots of home eds look at the um, arts award it's a brilliant qualification for building up portfolios and for some that's kind of the only access into creative subjects but unfortunately the the credit value is 10 
And so if you're looking at an average of a GCSE as 12 to 15, mm -hmm. it's not quite worth, it doesn't have the same weighting as a whole GCSE, which is why quite often um, a college or, you know, your next steps don't recognize that as an equivalent to a GCSE. And that's just something to be really careful of. Mm -hmm. um, and when people ask me the question on the courses that I'm providing, is this an equivalent to, I would say, I'm not using the word equivalent because I can't guarantee that a college will accept it. What I can say, actually, this course has got 24 credits, so it's way more than a GCSE. Mm -hmm. um, in my experience, most do accept it as one of their um, GCSEs, but it's it, I can't guarantee that. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be one of my top tips is um, if you're looking at a course is to look at those things. So it's awarding body, it's level and it's credit value as well. And if you have all that information, if you know what your learner's next steps are going to be, then I would say don't be afraid to start, you know, phoning up your local college or wherever that may be. Speak to admissions and say they're going to be doing this course. Do you accept that as an equivalent or not? Um, and just ask those questions and even sometimes because you're speaking to maybe somebody who's not involved or not aware of all the, the qualifications out there they might not be aware so don't be afraid to stand your ground and say mm. well actually this is a level two qualification it's worth this credit value um could you go and check again please because i mm. you know i was aware of one learner who was studying a level two it was actually with an ncfe but they were studying a level two ncfe in a subject and they wanted to go to college and study the level three in the same subject. Funnily enough, it was with the same awarding body, NCFE. And on first request, they said, no, they wouldn't recognize it. You know, wouldn't the recognize the level three. In that, they wouldn't accept the level two qualification oh, that they had. They did, they would, even though it, they were applying for mm. the level three, the next level equivalent. Um, and so they just, they stood their ground and said, well, actually, that's not quite right, is it? You know, that is the qualification that I'm wanting to enroll onto. Mm -hmm. um, and they came back and said, actually, yes, it's fine. Often, so I think it's the uh, it's the kind of admissions kind of admin team that just yes. sees something that they're not used to. Yes. And that, you know, and they're told, well, these are the things actually that we're looking for. And if it's not on the list, they think, oh, well, because I mean, people have the same stories about IGCSEs, which yes. are obviously, you know, exactly equivalent to GCSEs, but but admin staff just sometimes haven't encountered them. And so they just say no, because it's not on their list. But when you then go back and say, no, this is equivalent, they're like, oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, of course, yeah, that's absolutely. fine. So sometimes you have to be prepared to, um, find out the information, go prepared and, you know, ask, ask the right questions. And if they say no, maybe be a bit <laughs> persuasive and just get them to double check that actually. Yeah. And that's interesting about the credit values, because I've been looking at various NCFEs and I haven't seen anywhere that they say the credit value. So do you just sort of dig around for that on websites? Yeah, like absolutely. That? So one, ask the provider. They will have that information. It's it's written within the, the specification. And if you want to find it yourself, you can look up the specification online without being able to, you know, not having to log through their portals or whatever. Oh, um, I see. You are so able to find that information. So just so if it's an NCFE in, you know, animal care, for example, 
whatever the website is that offers it that will be the you know you'll be able to google ncfe animal care and it will tell you absolutely yeah and that's good to know go direct to their website the provider should be able to give you the qualification number and that's the quan number um and you should be able to type that up and and access that information directly through the awarding body Hmm. that's really helpful to know so ncfe's um or or whatever because yeah. we know that's just one of what so level one is equivalent to basically like a not equivalent i'm sorry level one <laughs> is comparable to um a low gcse yes. level two is comparable to a high gcse or yeah. a past gcse and level three is comparable to one a level so again it will depend on the weighting and so with level threes it's a little bit easier because like you mentioned before the ucas points you know that's quite a hard and fast indicator of the weighting of that uh, qualification so you can get um, level threes so years ago I taught BTEC level threes I loved I loved vocational courses basically Mm -hmm. and so years ago when I was teaching I opted for NCFEs for the level twos and BTECs for the level threes um, just because I found it gave us a huge opportunity to be um, more portfolio based. And actually that really helped the learners get to their next steps. With other level threes, you can have different weightings, just like the BTECs. Um, they could be equivalent to one, two, three A-levels. Um, and you would be able to see that through the, the UCAS points that um, it is allocated. So if you're looking at an NCFE that's level three, for example, yeah. You can just look at how many UCAS points that is and then it sort of track that to a, to A-levels. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, I, I don't think times have changed too much, but it wasn't BTECs when I studied them. It, I, I completed a, a GMVQ advanced, very similar to a BTEC, yeah. a vocational course, but that was the equivalent to three. I say equivalent because of the UCAS points, mm. it's much easier to, to say it's a comparable. I'm a bit more hesitant with level twos. So um, <laughs> it's terminology, isn't it, that, that we are able to use. Um, but for, sorry, for the level threes, it was equivalent to three A-levels. Um, and that made, that enabled me to go straight on to a creative degree subjects without doing a foundation course first. Mm. Whereas if you're just studying one A-level in art, quite often they will say, well, you you don't have enough um, of a portfolio to be able to go straight onto a degree course. And so that was one of the things when I was teaching many moons ago, um, that the love of the, the vocational subjects enabled the learners to produce a, a portfolio in much more depth. Could you tell us a little bit about why you think vocational subjects are so helpful and why you think vocational subjects have such value, particularly in the home ed world? Um, firstly, I think it's because it, it offers the range of creative and vocational subjects that you aren't able to access. Things like, or we talked about um, previously, sports, any creative qualifications, whether that be uh, graphics, art, um, you're looking at the DT um, options, textiles, photography, all these uh, qualifications or all these subjects, I should say, don't lend themselves to exams at all. And I didn't 
even particularly like controlled assessments in, in the way that really hindered home educated learners um, to be able to complete those at home. So, so what is a controlled assessment and where, where do these come in then for these courses? So the controlled assessment is the new word for coursework. Uh-huh. And <laughs> because why use the word coursework that everybody knows and well, understands? Well, exactly. <laughs> and if you were to could if you were to complete a textiles GCSE, for example, you would need to have um, an element of a controlled assessment. And you wouldn't be able to do that at home. You would need to be uh, affiliated with an exam center or um, a school that would allow you or allow them to um, be able to mark their controlled assessment. And that's really, really tricky thing to do, which is why um, going to find a GCSE art course is so difficult. So with the courses that we're looking at, there isn't a controlled assessment element. It's all portfolio based. Um, and whether I was to um, assess that work in front of you, or whether it's online, I'm able to assess that work. And that is what the whole course is based on. So your art course that you do, that is an NCFE level two, and it doesn't have coursework. It has a portfolio that is built up, an art portfolio that's built up. Yeah. And then, so how does the mark get awarded? Um, so the assessor marks it myself. Um, and then I am moderated externally with the awarding body. So they would have a look at um, examples that would be given, just like any um, controlled assessment is moderated. So that process is still the same. Um, so they would just have a look and decide whether my, um, my decisions were correct in their eyes. And that's how it's moderated. And does it take two years? like a like a kind of normal in inverted commas GCSE that really depends on how much time you want to spend so there's no start or end dates um with the courses that I'm providing just because it gives that added flexibility if everyone was to start on one date um and then end to finish at an an end point you'd all have to be you know processing um, and getting through that course at the same pace and that's that's just that's impossible for everyone to do because I think everyone learner every learner works at their own pace um, particularly in the home ed world we tend to um, start at random times of the year and we, you know we're not autumn starters with our courses we just sort of whenever our child says oh you know I'd like to do art or we hear a podcast like, like this and think oh that sounds fun I'll enroll on that we don't wait till autumn to do it so I can see why that would be very helpful in the home ed world yeah, absolutely. So that there's no set dates. Um, and also there needs to be a, a flexibility. Not only may you not be able to um, give the amount of time that maybe somebody else would be able to on a weekly basis towards a specific course, you might not be able to, um, over the course of the year, be able to devote as much time out in one part of the year as to another you might have other subjects that are um at that moment in time in, more integral for you to spend your time to um invested in and you might want to put it to bed 
for a little while and then pick mm. it up at a later date. And so having flexibility with start dates and, and deadlines and, and all that kind of thing, I, th- I feel is really important to have that yeah. flexibility um, surrounding it. If you were to spend the same amount of time as what you would imagine a um, learner spending time on a GCSE, so around five hours per week, you could complete it within two years. But if you were devoting more time to it, you could complete it at you know a faster rate. And at the same time, because there's no deadline, you could take a lot longer to complete it if you needed to. So, um, for example, I've got some younger learners that were really eager to start, but they just wanted to have a structured course that was mapped out for them it, with pre-filmed tutorials. Um, all the content was there, but they knew that they they weren't going to complete it within two years. They were perhaps going to spread it, spread it over three or four years to be able to pace it out. Someone in effect buys your course for their child and then their child that it's like a kind of a complete gift so their child can just work through it quickly or slowly and at the end of it theoretically assuming they put the work in then they would be awarded the level two qualification yeah absolutely absolutely um so along the way obviously their work is assessed um periodically um it's chunked up into 12 parts um and after each section or each module uh, the work is assessed the learner can um complete further work if it's not quite yet a um a pass yet they can do that um, and send it back for assessment again and then progress on to the next course uh the next module so you have 12 modules and what sort of modules are these is it things like okay i'll tell you what i imagine it is and you can tell me if i'm right so i would imagine that these modules are things like pen and ink sketching oh use of color maybe um portraits maybe i'm very old-fashioned you see maybe (laughs) um i don't know uh watercolors is it that kind of thing is it like the medium that you're using and then techniques or or is is it something much i don't know much more modern than i'm being there (laughs) so with the way that it's marked the assessment criteria are the kind of overriding um, grading criteria of what we're looking for. Um, so so one might be um, looking into formal elements, for example, of art and design. So the formal elements of art and design, you're looking at line, tone, um, texture, space, negative space, that kind of thing. Or a grading criteria might be looking at um, visual communication, um, so we're looking at your mark making and then the projects will be act as a vehicle to enable the learner to demonstrate those skills. So the yeah. project might be portraiture and within that portraiture module, I am um, trying to entice the learner to demonstrate their skills with the formal elements or um, visual mark making, for example. So that's how that how they're um, kind of broken up so my next question then is for somebody like me who I love expressing myself creatively but I'm completely appalling at it (laughs) so for example I paint with watercolors and acrylics and stuff like that but I'm very bad if you were to like have that kind of judgment about art which I know is difficult to do but but sort of like from a from a sort of like 
perspective of actually being good at what I'm doing. <laughs> like, quite, <laughs> I'm not, but I really enjoy the process. So my question yeah. is, do children need to be able to draw, for example, to do art with you? Or or is there is there a space for this kind of someone who is who is creative and thoughtful about what they do? But but when it comes to just markmanship and, mm. and sketching, they just, they, you know, they're not very good. I think there's there's space for everybody. Um, absolutely. I mean, with all qualifications in terms of, in the creative sphere, we're looking at progression. So we're looking at your development from start to end um, and it, to do with your um, exploration of your mark making, your drawing skills, looking in different mediums and techniques and all that kind of thing. I would always say, I mean, quite often um, a child might say, I'm no good at this. I'm rubbish at this. And my response would be that there's there's no gift as such. It's all practice. So no one is inherently good or bad, I feel. I think everybody has the ability, whether they want to practice or they want to devote the time to hone in each of those skills. Um, within that, obviously, there, there's some people that you know are amazing artists and, and that would come naturally to them. But there is 100% space for everyone and, and not to be put off because you feel that you're rubbish like you you know use those yeah. words that leads me on i suppose to the to to a follow-up from that which is that is there much room for people who perhaps like like to create art that is very abstract or you know very modern in its style so they're not maybe sketching you know mm faces in the way that yeah definitely uh, yeah I mean you know is is what I mean I suppose with which sounds a bit glib but is there room for a Picasso as well as a Rembrandt or or is the nature of the assessment that you do need to be able to draw like Rembrandt before you can more no absolutely no definitely mm. not that the, the assessment is have you explored both you know have you been inspired by both can you see um, the inherent qualities that the artist has used and and then been able to investigate a piece of work based on that um, exploration? So that's what we'll be looking at, not how good is your copy, for example, yeah. or they yeah. Rembrandt. Um, and I think within art or any creative area, there's so many different aspects to it and you're not necessarily going to lend yourself to every area but the, the the thing with a, a GCSE or a level two course or even an A-level course is going to be your grounding work. So even though you might decide right now drawing portraitures in pencil is not your thing and you don't think it shows off your qualities as a creative person, it's still a great idea to explore that initially as a kind yeah. of grounding so that you've you've kind of built on those techniques and those skills so for example am I a an amazing realistic um drawer no I'm not but am I able to use my creative nature to be able to develop patterns and designs to then get taken into um textile art yes I am because that's that's where I'm driven um, whereas another creative person might be all about painting in acrylics and watercolors you know I, I, would, I would say quite honestly that painting is not necessarily my thing 
in terms of I'm not going to be out there selling my painting work, but I would use paint as a vehicle to create my own work in for another direction. So there's there's so many areas and, you know, you might be an amazing photographer, but you decide that actually my drawing is not my best skill, but I'm going to use my photography skills to um, heighten my artwork, for example. So could you use photography in, in incorporate it into the art course that you A do? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, 100% yes. It's another medium for visual recording, just like using pencil or pen. Um, but it's, but it's art, you know, artwork in itself. 100%. What about visual editing and things like that? Oh, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. It's another skill. It's another medium. It's another mechanism of exploring artwork. So 100%. And, and I know uh, people are often quite um, eager to, to find a provision for purely photography um and it's 100 something that i would like to offer in the future um but i haven't necessarily kind of offered my course as an alternative to that because i i wouldn't want somebody thinking that they would be able to just do purely photography um, yeah. and not cover the basis of other areas of artwork as well um but as an element yes and within these vocational um, courses is really important to um, develop into the uh, the learner's creative journey and creating projects based on their own um, their own interests and what they want to develop. So as it progresses through the course, they'll have a lot more autonomy over the work that they produce and the method of producing it so that they would be able to decide, actually, I'm going to create a project which is solely based on photography. But that would be um, during a, a later point in the course. We interrupt this broadcast to remind you to like and subscribe to our podcast. And don't forget to join our Home Education Matters Facebook group, where you can find details on all our podcasts, any links or resources mentioned, chat to our guests, request upcoming podcasts, and even come on the podcast yourself. Do join us over there. You mentioned that there isn't coursework or however you... however you Controlled assessment. It. Controlled yeah. assessment, that's right. But is do these students do a final project as such, or do they just do a project per module? There isn't as such... That's a tricky question. The reason why I'm <laughs> hesitating is because the answer is yes and no. <laughs> All so, the best answers are yes and no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, there's no final outcome, you know, that you have, that you're driving towards. There isn't just one piece and, and he, here's your, you know, end of course, spectacular piece of, you know, artwork, final outcome. Um, but you will be uh, completing outcomes that you would probably consider a final outcome throughout the course and uh, towards the end of each module. And you mentioned that you're looking at other alternative qualifications that you might bring in. And you mentioned photography. And I'm trying to think what other alternative ones are out there. I mean, there's I'm trying to think off the top of my head. There's sporty things. There's mm. things like social care, health yep. care, animal care. I'm guessing these are all accessible as 
level they two. are they mm. are if if um a provider runs with them i haven't so, i haven't yeah. seen well actually i have i have seen animal animal care being offered i have seen that with a provider but things like that you've got travel and tourism um health and social care i think you've already mentioned that but again it, it's finding that provider that is offering yeah. them I am launching with sports towards the end of February, which I think this podcast is probably going to go out after then. But that's um, perfect then. So, so you're launching a sports level two. Yes. And what would that look like? Because I know I, I feel a bit, I feel a bit out of place in this podcast because I'm not arty and I'm not sporty. <laughs> so I'm very out of my depth here. But tell me what the sports one will look like for those of us that are sporty or have sporty children. So the idea is is the qualification acts as a vehicle to be able to um, highlight, show off your your sports enjoyment and what you're doing. So would it be, for example, my son, he does Krav Maga, which is like this uh, Israeli defensive thing. Would, would he, for example, be able to take his love of that and incorporate that somehow into a sports level two if, you know, if he was of the age to do that? Yes, is the answer. So um, the sports qualification will be, you'd be able to use any sports, you'd be able to base it on any sports that that you would be interested in or, or a selection. But say if it was, you know, you're mad on football and you're part of a football team and you want to base your sports qualification on football, that would be absolutely fine. Um, so the, the course is 100% online, um, working through an online portfolio, sorry, an online um, portal where you'd access the tasks and then you would need to go and maybe record that and then upload the evidence. So obviously with sports, it's a very physical subject. And so how do you do that online? It kind of doesn't really make <laughs> sense, does it? That's so what's been so hard for home educators, right? That it is, it's one of these things where you think, how could that possibly work? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so it would be the case of the online element is, this is the task, which may be, so for example, um, unit one is participating in sport, um, and you are tasked with um, organizing and taking part of a sporting activity. And your assignment is to plan and organize um, a, a competitive sporting activity. So then you would go away, plan, organize, take part in it. You would need to record it. And then you submit the evidence of that physical um participation up onto the portal and so how that's how it can can be an online course if that makes sense no that's fascinating i see what you're doing there is you're sort of bringing in planning elements and then they're recording the actual event and then you assess what you're given i suppose yes so it's it, it's really a, a vehicle for um maybe a home educators um uh, home um, educator learners facilitator to be able to to help them and um, gather that evidence to then uh, for the assessor to be able to view at a later date and that will be a level two similar to the art yes it is absolutely um and funnily enough it's got the same credit value which is 24 so 24 way, 24 that's, that's higher we... than a gcse right 
Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the same with the art as well. Uh, has got a credit rating of 24. So way and above your average GCSE um, and more comparable to a double award. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like it. It's very nice to hear about sport because I've never heard of anyone in the home ed world offering sport. You're the first person I've heard of who offers that. And I do sometimes feel this. I do sometimes feel that that element is just completely neglected in the home ed world, not not from anything on our part, but just it's just not something we allow our children to carry on enjoying it, obviously. But it's not something you can ever um, quantify in in a kind of qualification way. So it's really great to have that as an option. Yeah, I mean, not everything needs to be quantified. Um, and th- there's a lot of, well, I would say probably 90% of of your learning isn't quantified, is it? Um, but it's just having that opportunity to have that as a qualification if, if you wanted to. Particularly for children that maybe aren't super academic. Yeah. And the thought of doing English language GCSEs and English literature and history and stuff just, you know, sort of makes them quake a little bit. Whereas, Absolutely. you know, maybe they're brilliant at gymnastics or something. And and I think it's just lovely to have that alternative, isn't it? Yeah, I just think it's really important that they've got the opportunity to, subject, uh, to study a subject that they're really passionate about. Um, and and just using these vocational creative courses that you're able to complete 100% online or 100% portfolio based or evidence based um, without that course end of point exam. I think that's just really important. Takes a lot of pressure off as well, doesn't it? For, for children who maybe get very anxious around these final exams, it spreads out all of that so that they don't have that sort of sense that it's all down to how you perform one Monday morning. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I've always been a, you know, been a fan of um, anything but an exam, really. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I think it's quite frustrating when um, we're not going to talk about politics at all, by the way. (laughs) I'll say that, but I find it's really, really frustrating when um you know people come in to to run the country and then decide actually um coursework devalues a qualification um and let's all make it on an exam and that just just infuriates me completely it's, it's because... the constant changes as well isn't it i remember when i was teaching it's just the constant changes so every four years you get a new education secretary or considerably yeah. more often at the moment and yeah. um and they want to change everything and so everything gets thrown out of the window in talking about that a friend of mine went to a college open day the other day and they said something about t levels which is yes. like the replacement of btex or something do you know much about that i know I we're don't. getting a I bit don't. off topic here but no um, i think it's a technique is it like an apprenticeship or a technical a level or something um i think it's classed as a technical award um and it's another vocational option but whether that is whether you're able to do that from home i'm not sure but it might be um, a good route to go down if you're you're aiming to go to college at a later date um and i think it might be in association with apprenticeships which again i think are amazing um and i think it's a shame that the importance of apprenticeships um, and other things like that are devalued um in people's minds um i think we're still creative subjects are still fighting the stigma of the Mickey Mouse course, which was given a name, 
quite a few actually a few decades ago now actually mm-hmm. I remember you know all in the media it was about these Mickey Mouse courses yeah uh, and and creative subjects had a bit of a stigma attached to them because of that and I just it's ridiculous really because you know it very much has a place in in society creative creative subjects and and creative development I think a lot of the courses that get dismissed as you know not proper GCSEs or like you say Mickey Mouse ones tend to be the ones that are either creative or analytical about society so Politics they got rid of as a GCSE because for obvious reasons they don't want us knowing too much about politics and all of the creative things and things like media studies is a very Mm -hmm. good example of when you're taught to critically analyse news outputs and things like that. And, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me wonders why these are so devalued when they're so important as subjects. They are. They and they have been devalued. Um, And it is a great shame. And I, th- I have I, think- I have no idea why, you know, you could be quite correct. <laughs> I would really hope that that isn't the reason. And it would be horrible and scary to think that, you know, if that was true. Let's pretend it's not then. Because <laughs> <laughs> one thing one thing I think that is very good in the home education world, but is still difficult for us, is the dichotomy between being academic and being non-academic. And I think... I think normally in the home ed world, we are very, very good at embracing our children, regardless of whether they're academic or not, up until it gets to about, they get to about 14. And that's obviously when you start looking at GCSEs. And then I think you're hit with this with this realisation that if your child isn't academic, it's a bit of a slog, you know, to get them a requisite number of GCSEs. And I think that's where your courses and these these alternative courses come in, because it just for for those parents who maybe have children who just aren't academic they they, they have so many other strengths and qualities but mm. not that one yeah. and i think so often in school if you don't have that quality that academic quality you can feel a bit inferior you know you can 100%. feel a bit like you're in the you know sort of like remedial classes or whatever they call them nowadays and you can feel like you're not as good as your peers and i think in the home ed world we're very good at preventing that but sometimes when it gets to the gcse ages we're still then we're pulled back into this system of are you good at writing stuff oh there's five gcse's that are easy for you are you good at numbers oh there's five gcse's easy for you are you very creative and are you a people person and are you a problem solver no that's a problem we've got nothing for you and it's you know it's it's really hard as a home educator to see your child being pulled back into that rather unpleasant dichotomy between academic and non-academic I yeah I, I agree wholeheartedly um, and again that you know that's just why it's so important to have different options available they're not for everybody um, but there's so many other not straight laced subjects but like you said, <laughs> academic subjects there's so mm-hmm. many other there's so many options tied up with them there needs to be something else available plus the different assessment style, as you say, and something where you don't have that final exam is very helpful for for neurodiverse children, I think. Again, that is another reason for my hatred of exams uh, <laughs> as, a, as a, a proud dyslexic. And I would say proud dyslexic, you know, sometimes it's offers me strengths and other times it's my weakness. Um, in, in terms of my strengths, I really feel like, you know, I'm using the other side of my brain and it's my creative, my my way of thinking. And that has really developed how I've how I've progressed in my life. So I really think that I 
probably because of that dyslexia, I look at things differently to somebody else. Um, again, my weaknesses, obviously, the apparent needing to have a few things kind of spell checked once in a while. Um, and and also my verbal communication, I would say that was one of my weaknesses. But there's so many, there's so many more positives and strengths, I would say, to um, the way I guess everybody is different. And it's just their makeup, what makes them them. Um, and I think more reason to celebrate it rather than conform it and box it. Um, and exams is about boxing and conforming wedging a kind of square shape into a round hole isn't it and that's yeah. why I think what's nice about these alternative qualifications is it's a round hole for a round shape right and a yeah. square hole for a square shape so it just it's much nicer you're not having to sort of like wedge stuff into something yes, that make, makes the child feel uncomfortable I, I would go one step further that 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 round you know hole is malleable as well mm -hmm. uh, you know there's a lot more flexibility to be able to um, make it more suitable for, for one learner opposed to another. You know, wh why are we still doing exams? What, you know, apart from the fact that, that it's unfair, it's not how we, how we work, it's not how we live our life, we don't need to be able to remember a, a set um, couple of A4 sides, pieces of paper of facts and figures. We don't, we don't use that in life, but even more so when we've got technology at our fingertips, you know, if I want to ask a question, I Google it or, mm. you know, whatever. I, I've got so much access to information. I don't need to remember information. Um, and I think things need to change in terms of what's important. Uh, um, we, we need free thinkers. We need yeah. people to be able to work through problems, you know, problem solving, being creative, um, not remembering a, a list of facts and figures. I think it's a very antiquated system, like you say, and, and it's sort of still rooted in that kind of Victorian period of sort of preparing a workforce. And and yeah. now, like you say, you don't want people who just know things. You want people who understand things and can analyze things. You mentioned that you do that you offer art level two, and you mentioned that by the time this comes out, probably you'll be doing sports level two. So what are the things? And you mentioned photography. That's in the pipeline, is it? That's in the pipeline for maybe next year. Um, I am predominantly a one-man band. And so, yes, it, it it's time for putting these things together, these courses together, uh, drawing on expertise from other people as well. So, obviously, um, sports isn't my passion. Um, so, you know, working alongside other people, other experienced people to be able to help with that. And with the um, art qualification, as I said, um, my skills are more um, textile art, photography, printmaking, that kind of thing. So, so being a a drawer or a painter, I'm I'm pulling on the expertise of an, a great friend of mine, Amy, um, and she's particularly in the first lots of modules. She's doing the tutorials um, for the art. So. Yeah, just drawing, drawing on people's expertise to kind of gather this up. But yes, future plans, but one step at a time. I just want to make sure that everything that goes out is really well thought out and really well planned um, and a really lovely course um, for you to take. So, yeah, absolutely. I agree. And can you tell me a bit about how your courses are structured? Um, I'm guessing you present a theory in the tutorials and then you set the student off with practical work per module do you 
So um, starting with the art, for example, um, as I said, it's sectioned up into 12 modules. Each module will be a, a project based on a theme or an activity. Um, and that learners can access a guidebook, which will uh, feed you through the whole of that project. Um, and alongside that, there's um, YouTube pre-themed um, tutorials that will um, work alongside that guidebook um, for you to be able to create your own work at home. And then that's just submitted at the end of each module. And the same kind of structure for sports, I'm guessing. Yeah. So again, with the sports, um, that will be a bit more, uh, here's an activity, you go off and do it and then submit afterwards as well, alongside um, presentations that are all pre-filmed um, so that you can watch whenever it's convenient to yourself, really. And you mentioned five hours a week. That sounds a lot. Uh, it, and my, which leads me to another question, which is that you said you're a one-man band and it's clear you put a lot of work into this. So I'm going to ask the question I'm slightly nervous about asking, but how much are your courses? Because I get the impression <laughs> five hours a week and you end up with like 25 Four credits. credits or so, 24 Four credits, credits, which is more than a GCSE. So how much are your courses? Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing you have to charge enough that you make enough money but you know that it, it is a difficult environment at the moment financially for home education it is really difficult and we've tried to to make them as um as affordable as possible but even so um i i'm fully aware that it it might not be achievable for some um at the moment it's for the love of it of, of what we're putting together um but so for uh the overall cost of a course is 600 pounds that's for the whole, you know, if you're going to do it within two years, that's for the whole two years. That's your guidebooks, your pre-filmed tutorials, um, assessor support and registration and certification with the awarding body. So that includes all that. So in comparison, if you were going to go alongside with a tutor, you would then still need to um, look for those exam fees as well. So that's the course of a um sorry that's the amount of a level two course you've got the option to pay it within a monthly subscription method how much would it be monthly if they were going to split it monthly so at the moment um 30 pounds per month mm -hmm. and that'll be obviously spread over 24 months and if they don't complete it within the 24 months do they just carry on paying they can or have they got access to the course no so you've got access to the course anyway after those payments that's it you've paid for the course but if you're taking longer to to complete it then you're just going to access continue to access the course um you'd still get the help from me you'd still have access to everything um it's just there for you to complete but no it wouldn't charge you know it wouldn't cost you any more money that's really good to know. So thirty pounds a month, and you and it's about five hours work a week. Did you say, or does that depend on the child a little bit? Uh, obviously, it does depend on the child. Um, every learner is different, but that is the amount I would say on average that a average learner would need um, to spend to, to to complete the course. And that is saying if you were to complete it during. Um, in adverted commas, term time only, um, I would suggest five hours a week um, over the course of two years. Um, 
And I give those facts just so that it's quantifiable, so that you're kind of, um, if you're facilitating that course at home for your learner, you're kind of aware of, of the input or the depth that would be expected to com to complete that qualification. Yeah. And just to reiterate what you said very clearly at the beginning, you'd need to contact your college or whatever college course your child wanted to go on to do to see whether they accepted it. But also, like you say, to sort of like make it clear the credit value and things like that. So I'm thinking for some of our some of our home educating parents listening, their child might want to do a college course that basically wants English language, maths and another. Yeah. And so theoretically, what they could do is if they accepted a level two, which I think most of those kind of courses do, the ones that have the quite low requirements, if they accepted a level two, they could do something like this, £30 a month and do art. And then they could sit maybe English language and then they could sit maths when they're at the college because a lot of colleges offer that, don't they, that you can yeah. actually sit it alongside your college course in the first term. So it's actually quite, that would be probably, I'm, I'm trying to think of the, the most sort of the least invasive way of doing enough qualifications that would get you into your college course. And if you wanted to do, say, art at college, what that would do is you could get your level two art qualification and then you could maybe do English language and then you can maybe do maths when you're at the college or vice versa. You could do maths outside and, or you could do both of them, of course, with the college, can't you normally? Yeah, I mean, those options are often available, aren't they, with um, local colleges? Um, and, and some colleges offer courses for younger home educated learners as well, you know, looking at age 14 to 16. Sometimes they've yeah. got some of those um, on offer, which is a great option as well, if that's something that you're looking for. I think probably what what I I think what we're both emphasizing in this podcast and what I suppose I would like people to take away from this is that if your child isn't very academic, doesn't want to sit a whole host of GCSEs, they know what college course they want to go for. And you, you know, you check with the college and see what the re requirements are, but you, you can do it. You can, your child can sit like a level two art, 30 pounds a month and get that sorted or sports 30 pound a month and get that, get that sorted. And then depending on the college, you could, you know, there are other ways, there are other ways in that aren't seven GCSEs basically. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and like we said right at the beginning, uh, check check with the colleges, um, check with the admissions. Um, and even if you get a no negative response at first, you know, push with your facts, um, with your information um, to hand. And quite often um, that is 100% a routine. And I'm guessing you would also, as the provider, be able to provide a letter with you know, you know, what you're, who you're affiliated with and who, what, who your awarding body is and the credits. And you can, you can provide that to the students so they could go to the college and say, look, you know, this is the qualification I'm doing. Definitely. Absolutely. And so it's, it's a, a small, small community, community of me and my learners. Um, and so, you know, I'm quite happy to, to support in whatever that may be. I support in terms of EHCPs that some learners have, um, asking questions about that, any help I can give in terms of equipment lists and things like that. This is not a big corporation. It's me. And currently, as I said, we've got 35 learners that have amazingly opted to start this course 
it's a personalized service really you've yeah. you've got me um contact with me pretty much um every day and you know i'm here to help really and and support in any way i can so where can our listeners find you on social media or any websites or anything like that if they wanted to find out a bit more about your courses or sign up or or just ask you questions yeah absolutely so um I would rather than give out an email address, which um, I would probably get wrong <laughs> reading it out, <laughs> I would say find me on the internet. Um, I've got two web pages, one which is based purely for the creatives, and that's acedart.co.uk. Um, and if you're looking for all the courses that we're offering, there's a secondary page, which is acedqualifications.co.uk. Um, and through there, there's all sorts of information. There's prospectuses that you can download. You can contact me. You'll be able to see my email address um, and get in contact with me that way. If you're a Facebooker, um, again, I've got two Facebook pages. One's Aced Art, one's Ace Qualifications. And again, there's a whole host of um, information there for you to kind of pick through. And also, you know, message me directly through that as well as a, another option to get in contact. And that's ACED as in A-C-E-D, right? Yes, it is. Perfect. And and Debs will also be coming on our Facebook group, the Home Education Matters Facebook group. And so you can ask any questions on there. And she'll also be putting her links up for her sites and just, yeah, just there to support anyone who has questions about art and sport and any other of these amazing level two qualifications. So Debs, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. It's, it's opened up, a, <laughs> it's opened up a whole world of qualifications I didn't know existed. So I think that's a wonderful that we have the two words I always use when it comes to home education are freedom and flexibility. And I think yeah. definitely that's something that you're adding to in the home education world every day. So thank you so much for the work you're doing for us. And thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Home Education Matters podcast. See you at the next one. Have a lovely day.